The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to the Quirky Dog Podcast, inspired by some of the quirkiest dogs you can ever imagine and the owners who love them. This podcast is brought to you by the quirky couple themselves, Scott and Jess Williams. Their aim is to educate and entertain. Here's Scott and Jess. Welcome, guys, and happy Wednesday. We are coming to you from Salem, New Hampshire, on top of Two Guys Smoke Shop. And today we are going to talk about staying fit with Fido. We have our first Ironman athlete on today, and it happens to be a girl, so we got the pink pig. I like to represent the female athletes. But first, we're going to start with the quirky tip of the day. All right, and the quirky tip of the day is our guest today is JT Clough. And if you are in the greater San Diego, California area, Look her up for training. She has been a trainer for a long time. Scott and her have a very long history of knowing each other through training, and her business is K9 Coach. That's K9, letter K, numeral nine, Coach, and the link will be in the description um, to find her website. So tell us a little bit about how you and JT got together and you guys first met, and then we'll bring her on. Well, I think, uh, if I remember correctly, and keep in mind, my my memory is He's very old. (laughs) Uh, But it was through a remote collar... Uh, seminars and workshops and that kind of stuff that we first met. We were, she was in San Diego. I was in Los Angeles. Uh, there were some people coming from outside of the state to do um, to do some workshops. I think, JT, you hosted at least one of the ones. Maybe that's where I first met you. And then we just um, started seeing each other in that context. And then we got together for training uh, in between workshops and seminars. And we were we spent a lot of time on the phone together. I know that I uh, I remember talking to you on the phone quite a bit, maybe twice a month. We would chat on the phone about business and how's this going, how's that going, because we both kind of started about roughly the same time, I think, with these with the dog training businesses, if I'm not mistaken. Very close uh, startup times. Yeah. Is that your story, too? Because <laughs> sometimes we got to play to the truth teller here yeah. when Scott no, tells a story. Actually, well, none of that I'm, happened. I'm as old as Scott, too, and none of that happened. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> that is actually pretty close to what happened. Um, yeah, I was, I had just, I'd really gotten into it, uh, had gone to seminar, hosted one, actually ended up hosting more than one. And um, so Scott came down to them. He was getting into it at the time too. Uh, we were both at the time, I remember trying to fix our dogs. Uh, we learned a lot about our own dogs <laughs> during yeah. that. And the other cool thing was I was, even before I was into dog training, I was an entrepreneur, business minded, running my own business. So was Scott. And so that was where we kind of, our minds melded a little bit of how do we get to be really, really, really good dog trainers? Cause we were both driven in that way. I saw it that way anyway, and make this a real living so that we can survive in Southern yeah. California. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the that, thing that's is a quite a challenge. the difference now really, cause Scott, we were just talking today. He's been in New England now for 13 years. I mean, even in the last decade, the amount of dog trainers out in California has risen like 10, 20, whatever, 30 fold. I mean, it's really kind of a saturated market in a sense more so, wouldn't you say? It's absolutely a saturated market. And with the last 
couple of years, whatever you want to call that whole thing that went on. Um, a lot of people got dogs that never had dogs before. And therefore, a lot of people decided that they were going to be dog trainers who were never dog trainers before. So we have more than one problem going on here in Southern California <laughs> with a lot of dogs, uh, a lot of new trainers. And I'm one to say I'm I'm OG now, right? I'm absolutely happy to help them. But sometimes I have to say, I've got to cringe at what's going on here because there's not a whole lot of real tangible knowledge and people are, we've got trainers teaching people that their dog is a baby and it's, yeah, it's maybe harmful a little bit. One thing I love what you're doing. I've seen some stories that you're doing because JT like us does, you know, some board and trains and stuff with her business. But I love like the follow story, the stories that you put on social media for the owners to follow. You know what I mean? And even most recently, like your reels and stuff are like super professional and well shot. And like, it's kind of like you're watching like a little movie. So is that something newer that you've introduced into your business? And is that something that your clients really enjoy? Can you just touch on that a bit? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the things that I do when I have dogs with me is I take them and do the, the things that I would do with my dogs. One of them is to get active, which is part of my whole stick here. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the other thing is, uh, I love to take photos of them. And so part of my training has always been to get this dog to pose. If I can get them to pose, guess what? I got them to stay. Yeah. If I can do that, then the people can do that, which is oftentimes what they want to be able to do. Well, what happened was it kind of happened by accident. I will tell you in that I was just out there doing that. And I started posting to social media and you know how it is with social media. When you're a trainer, you've got to do all this stuff, right? I got to do social media. I got to train the dog. I got to clean the kennel. I got to feed them. Like it's like, okay. (laughs) And so I started just posting them as I was going and in the beginning, it was a like the person happened to be on my Instagram. I never even invited him or anything. I was just like doing my thing. And they were like, oh, my God, there's my dog. And they started sharing it. Like, look, look at my dog. <gasps> look, look at my dog. This is so cool. <laughs> yeah. And so now it is a way for me to marry a couple of things in dog training. One, it makes me get out and get active with the dog because I want to get I want to get that footage of the dog. Um, so that can be fun. Um, I get the people to get on Instagram to watch the stories of their dog, which cuts down. Now, keep in mind, I'm in Southern California. People want, I've got a dog and board and train and they want, or Epic Camp. Yeah. <laughs> what I call it. Um, same thing. Um, they want updates on their dogs all the time. Yeah. Can I visit my dog? Can I have a call about my dog? What's my dog doing today? No, none of that. I, you know, you know how it is. There's no way I could fit all that in. What I tell them is get on my Instagram. You want to see your dog get on there and you can see what's going on. And so that helped me to get them to be like, okay, I can just every day they're looking right. Yeah. Puts a little bit of pressure on me to get those photos out there or get a video out there. So there's that. But here's the other thing. It ends up being a marketing tool because their friends, I get referrals from their friends because their friends see their dog doing that. And they're like, oh my God, I want my dog to do that too. Yeah. Well, and even people that don't know that dog, they're seeing the progress and they're feeling hopeful. You know, maybe it's even infusing some inspiration into people that have a difficult dog. Like, hey, it's possible because that's what we want people to know. Like, it's okay. Even if it's tough, like there's a way to help you and it might be able to get better. Scott, his favorite line is, well, it sounds like you could use some room for improvement. (laughs) 
like every phone call, that's like how yeah. we how we close. They tell this. me uh, the dog attacked the neighbor, and <laughs> you know they can't they can't touch the dog if you know the dog will attack them on the couch. <laughs> and and it's rough out there. Yeah, people having people having a hard time. I I have we have traded lines over the years. I'm going to adopt that one too. <laughs> it's like you could use, use a, some. Little improvement. Yeah. Little improvement. <laughs> I mean, it's Real not improvement a, here. It's not a lie. And people are like, yeah. they, they normally agree. It's an agreeable place. Um, so before yeah. we get into some more of the fitness stuff, what kind of behavioral stuff are you seeing? And maybe how has that changed and ebbed and flowed and stuff over the years? Because that's something that we're just kind of sh- shocked at, to be honest. And it's the same on the East Coast, yeah. by the way. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So maybe a little less one. of a degree than California, but still it's yeah. it's coming it's coming quicker than anything else has come across the country. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh it's separation anxiety. Number one problem that I used to not that used to not be an issue. It would become along here and there and you know, you would deal with it or whatever. Now it's every dog. All the time. Every single dog. Separation anxiety. Huge. It's a huge problem. Yeah. yeah. And part of that is from the COVID stuff. Part of it is all the people remotely working from home, so they're constantly with their dog. Well, and and there's a a pretty strong resistance to crating, too, right now. Like, often, before Scott even goes for an eval, we're like, (laughs) it's so funny. We'll be driving in the car, and he's on the phone, and I'm like, I'm doing my little box. I'm like, see if this dog uses a crate, because it's just interesting to hear people's responses sometimes. And more often than not, it's the, you know, puppy was in it, and then when the potty training was good, we stopped, or the dog never accepted it, or something else. But that's kind of like a change for us. This is what we hear. I'll say, "Um, do you use a crate? And they say, oh, we have a crate. (laughs) And I'll say, I'll say, yeah, I, I understand. Do, do you, do the, do you, do you put, use do you it? Put the dog in the crate? Oh, he loves to go in the crate. He goes in when he wants to. And then he, do you close the door? Like it's a whole like progression of questions. And then Absolutely. you get to the root of the issue. And that's changed. I mean, that used mm-hmm. to be just kind of common practice. You know what I mean? Like dogs are safer yeah. in kennels. We're really big advocates on kenneling dogs when they're in cars for safety. If they have to go to the vet or a boarding place, like we want them to accept crates and it's kind of a new thing that's developed and really kind of exponentially developed over the past three to five years, I'd say. Absolutely. And I mean, the other thing that happens with that is they do, most people have done a little bit, <laughs> a little bit of research before they've gotten a dog or they've heard they're supposed to do this. And so, you know, crate comes into it. Well, what happens is they get the dog home, they get the crate, they put the dog in the crate, they shut the door, the dog whines and cries and they pull the dog out and that's it. Yeah. It's like, well, I can't put him in there. He whines and cries. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm well aware of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's a safety issue too. You know, we don't want mm-hmm. these puppies ingesting something or we had a vet mm-hmm. in Boston like five years ago, literally like get on our clients because the puppy wasn't sleeping in bed with them. And I'm thinking like, well, isn't that like a way for a puppy to break its leg? Like, I mean, you know, some crazy stuff is happening. We hear some crazy stories. On a side note, Scott had um, one of our clients, their friend had a rescue come up. Tell that story. That was a good story. I'm not sure what The story. rescue that came up medicated on the bus. Oh, yeah. They said <laughs> they they got a rescue off the bus. You know, it was like 40 dogs on the bus. And they said it was medicated because it yeah. had traveling anxiety. Medicated it for the, tr- for the ride. They get the dog home. After the dog comes down off the meds, it attacks everybody in the house. <laughs> Scott was that was their intro Scott to the rescue. Scott was literally like, this is one of the most extreme stories I've ever heard. Like that, it doesn't sound yeah. like it could go much worse. So there's some crazy stuff going on out there. And it's not so mm-hmm. much about exposing it, but just really discussing it. Because I don't really see that we're putting solutions to all the problems all the time. And I don't think that's helping dogs and people in our country in general. You know, we got enough division as it is, I feel. Yeah. I will say, yeah, I will absolutely. say. 
I just want to say regarding the crate, obviously not every dog needs to be crated, but the ones that do need to be crated, the, the ones that are having the separation anxiety, it's one of the tools and protocols that we use to help to break that problem, to get that mm-hmm. dog to be able to be independent. Because if they do have separation anxiety and you put them in another room, that's when they can start becoming destructive. They can, you know, all kinds of problems start, or they're peeing and pooping in the house, not because they're not housebroken, but because they're having so much emotional problems there that they're starting to pee on the floor. So a crate is a nice tool to help start going down that rehabilitation road with dogs, you know? Yeah. I also think it really is uh, affected by the person's energy because oh, for sure. I send people send the dog to me. It has separation anxiety. I have one right now. You've probably seen him Gatsby. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he whines and cries and was crazy when I first got him. And I, I've got him crate trained. He's crate trained right now. I knew that like, I can't have him. We're on a podcast. It would be great (laughs) going on in the background. Right. Yeah. No. So the thing of it is, is that people break too early. They think that, Oh, it's crying. I've got to help this dog. Right. And so by sending a board and train, which I've tried to stop doing board and trains for years and it just doesn't work um, because people want that kind of help. And where I've come to is a place that I can actually really help people because I will get them through that. Not always all the way, you know, that two weeks, three weeks, four weeks is not the life of the dog. And sometimes if you've got an older dog, you can't, you know, the habit doesn't change and 14 days, but I get the, through the tough part, which helps them understand, oh, this is possible. Yeah. So, so there's that. Yeah. yeah for but sure. like you said about the energy of the people though, it's really disturbing when you see examples of that, that are so, so blatant in your face where just the person's presence makes the dog so mentally unstable, just their presence makes the dog mm-hmm. so unstable and that's what we talked about, you know, it was a tip several weeks ago. What's the hardest thing to fix in dog training? It's the relationship with that person because the person is who they are. And, you know, I don't, I'm not trying to throw the owner under the bus. I realize that they have emotional issues and they always say, yeah, yeah, I have anxiety. I have issues too. But we're trying to help them make their dog better. And it's really hard when you have someone that is emotionally fragile for lack of a better word uh and then the dog is picking up on that that's so far beyond obedience training that has nothing to do with obedience training and that's where we both started i was telling jess i at one point i had 20 dogs in for boarding and training in southern california none of them had separation anxiety it was just all heel sit down go get on a bed just Mm -hmm. basics and it wasn't that big of a deal one thing we see though is when the owners do rise to the occasion it often helps the dog and it often sometimes helps the owner's personality. I mean, do you see that also like your clients yeah. just, just changing kind of as people like they're more empowered in a sense? Absolutely. Because, you know, I wanted to add to that for sure in um, the energy and how quickly it can change. Cause I mentioned just a bit of go, you know, sometimes you can't change something in 14 days or 21 days or whatever. The, uh, the other thing is also true. I get dogs who, the owners are like, Oh my God, it's like they're whining and crying and I don't know what to do. And this and that and the other thing. And I get the dog and within a day 
Doc's fine. Yeah. Like, there's no crime. Yeah. Nothing's yeah. happening. Yeah. Why? Because I'm like, okay, here we go. This is what we're doing. <laughs> Give him some direction. The yeah. Dog, and it's, in, it's okay. empowering. And the dog's like, oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> this is awesome. Right. Yeah. And so when, <laughs> when I can show them that, uh, oftentimes that's very helpful for the owner. But really, honestly, I get called all the time. Uh, a marriage counselor. I get called a psychologist. <laughs> yeah. I get called all of this stuff because I spend a lot of my time coaching people on their energy. One of the things that's helped me, and this did come out of the last couple of years, which I probably would have never done before, is particularly with uh, board and trains, epic camps. Um, but I also, my private clients, I do a weekly uh, Zoom that they can jump on. Nice. And the reason that I do that is because I can show them a lot of stuff in an hour if I'm doing private lessons and get them to do that practice. And, or I do the same lessons with a dog that I've done a camp with, uh, but sticking to the mental change that the person needs to be, or the energy change that the person needs to have will go away if somebody's not in their ear all the time. Yeah. And so when I get them on that Monday night session, that's what I talk about a lot. And it has changed a huge amount of the continued behavior change because I get a chance to talk to those people in their head when they're not sitting there going, it's okay. It's okay with their dog. I actually get to talk to them about the energy that they've got going on with their dog. And then when they see other people getting, um, success, I guess. Yeah. The benefits. They start jumping on too, like, oh, maybe this really does mean something. And then I usually have one of my, you know, camp dogs sitting right here. Look, this dog has been on this place the entire time we've been here. They're like, oh, I didn't think, like, I thought it could only do like 30 seconds. Yeah. No. And the continued support is important for people, whether they're dog owners or people in general, you can go to a great seminar. And, you know, if you just spend three days at a, you know, a self-empowerment seminar and then just kind of think, oh, like this is going to change everything. No, like somebody in your ear all the time really helps long-term. We are going to go to break super quick. And when we get back, we're going to talk about more about JT and her dogs. And we're going to get into fitness finally, I promise. (laughs) Want to keep up with all the latest from the Quirky Dog Podcast, like me and Murphy here? Then make sure you head on over to the YouTube channel and subscribe. Or if you prefer to listen to The Madness, go on over to iTunes or Spotify and follow the Quirky Dog Podcast. And hey, while you're there, leave a rating and review and let them know what you think of the show. Until then, keep it quirky. I want to say real quick, this is who I have in my ear constantly. (laughs) (laughs) Keeping me on track. Scott, do you want to eat that? Scott, did did you change your socks? (laughs) It's not that bad yet. I got another decade, I hope, before I get there. Tell us a little bit about what you have for dogs now. I know you were a huge Weimariner person in the past. Do you still have Wimes? I do. I have, this is really interesting. I, you know, back when, when Scott and I first started, I had, I think four, four personal dogs at the time. Um, then it progressed to, I had two dogs and then I always had two dogs. And when I lost my heart dog, that's the picture of her right there. Yeah. It's I'm beautiful. writing a book about it, by that's the way. Beautiful. Um, I am down to one dog and I never thought I would go there, but I actually really am enjoying it. He is a wine. Um, and that happened. It happened. Um, <laughs> Wines happen. the le- <laughs> they happen. I would go with a lab, <laughs> but, um, he's a handful. He's actually a Malinois 
painted gray with the, his tail chopped off. <laughs> little less, little less uh, fur maybe. So what kinds of stuff yeah. do you guys do to stay active together? And what's your, you know, kind of daily routine? And I love the motto that you live by. What is the motto that you live by and that you share with your clients The play all day or every day? What is that? Play little? every day. Yeah. I love so that. Play, yeah. Play every day. Uh, I think that people get way too serious. One of the things that I noticed when I'm either doing private lessons with people or just talking to them about their dog, they get very serious about, Oh, got to make them sit. I got to make them stay. (laughs) That's too hard. And to them in their mind, it becomes too hard because it's so many rules. And so when I teach them, Hey, why don't you do this in a way to play? Like, think about this as play. The dog comes, sits, give them the toy. They go get the toy. Guess what? When they come back, they have to sit before I'm going to throw the toy again. It's like, it's amazing to me how many people are like, Oh, I never thought of that. And so you're actually teaching obedience by playing. Um, And I also like them to think about even getting out and moving with their dog, walking, running, whatever it is, going to play in a park. Those are training sessions rather than them doing this. Oh, I've got to do this sit down, you know, thing that is seems to be really boring. Yeah. The truth of the matter, it is really boring. I think as a dog <laughs> trainer, sometimes I feel like a broken record. I didn't know that <laughs> they don't make records anymore, yeah. <laughs> but we know what broken record means. Like you just are saying the same thing over and over and over again, and you are teaching the basic things. It's just in implementing it into different areas of your life. And so if I can make that more fun for people, they can go out and do stuff with people integrating those things they're more willing to do it. And it's more fun for everybody, including the dog. Yeah, I agree. I love that. It's almost like playing over protocols. We have protocols everywhere, right? Like life is protocols. Everything's a freaking protocol. So let take the stress out and just enjoy. Tell uh, us a little bit. What are you going to say? I just want to say to counter that. Um, <laughs> Shocking. One of the Here. reasons. No, one of the reasons. <laughs> Welcome to Scott. <laughs> one of the reasons I, I think that people make it so serious is because they're insecure because they're learning too. So they're thinking about what they need to do. And, you know, half the time, you know, I tell them to praise your dog, you know, free them up and have fun. And uh, they're just so caught up in trying to learn that they can't, they're always praising and having fun at the wrong time. You know, instead of actually having the dog do something and then freeing them up and playing, you know, I'll say, you know, free them up and they'll say, good dog. And like the dog's looking at them like, what the the hell are you talking about? Yeah. (laughs) For what? Yeah. Well, and also, even in that sense, you know, the people being more playful and almost more childlike will take down that stress level, too. Like, it's it's fun. Like, think about when you learn things when you were a kid. It didn't always have to be this high stress and high pressure. You know what I mean? I'm still like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's to a default. All right. <laughs> Let us hear a little bit about your journey, because um, I read one of the bios that you're doing for an article that you're writing up, and you talked about this whole Ironman journey. So just tell us a little bit about what you do. And I know that you've been really into your physical and your mental health and you're good in mindfulness and you're really big on your own practices. So tell us a little bit about this fitness journey since I'm calling you an Ironman athlete and all and bringing on the pink pig. I don't bring her on every episode, JT. <laughs> oh, feels so special. <laughs> yes. Okay. So, uh, I use this analogy a lot in dog training, but it is a, a, a lot about my journey. Um, I have been an athlete my whole life pretty much. Uh, but in my mid thirties, I had a friend ask me if I wanted to do a triathlon and it was a little short one. And I was like, yeah, sure. sounds great. What is that? And she said, well, you swim and you bike and you run. I was like, cool. I can bike and run. Not so sure about the swim. I grew up in Montana landlocked, but you know, I 
I swam. I, I'll be fine. Right. So it was like, thank goodness. It was like 800 meters or yards or whatever you want to call it. Right. I got in and I literally, interestingly enough, dog paddled like <laughs> yeah. for, to save my life. Yeah. Like I was like, had a, like <gasps> I thought I was going to like, seriously, it was horrific. Yeah. I got out of the water. I was dizzy. I was like, Oh, thank God I'm still alive. I mean, it was the fight for my life. Got on my bike, got on the run, ended up, you know, killing it at that point. And I got obsessed with it. And so I went from that to somehow I wanted to do an Ironman. Somewhere. (laughs) Somewhere along the way. That's a 2.4 mile swim in an ocean with 2000 people. That's a hard doggy paddle. It's a hard doggy paddle, 112 mile bike and a 26.2 mile run. And I wanted to get to the world championship. This is where my head goes. It's just right. I did it with dog training after that, but, um, what I learned in that journey, I did get there. I went to the world championship twice. I chased it around the world. I went and got the best coaches in the world to coach me. What I learned about that in that journey was this. It was about what I did every single day. It was about this chunk of what I did every single day. You can't run an Ironman every day. That's not how you train for it, right? I do, you know, whatever it was, a five mile run and, a, you know, 3000 yard swim. I did a 50 mile bike and a two mile run, right? There was these chunks, but I had to do those consistently every single day for me to get better swimming. I had to do drills. I had to come back to the fact that I had a coach that would not let me swim for like three solid months in a row. All I could do was drills. That sounds a lot of, like a lot of fun. <laughs> it, was t- it was so fun. A lot of protocol, <laughs> right? There's a lot of protocol, not a lot of play. But where I take that journey into now is just when you get in your mind that you want to do something, um, it can be daunting and it can be overwhelming. But really, if you break it down to do a little bit every single day, even though it's the same thing. And I think a lot of times in dog training, people get bored with the same thing that they're doing and not realizing that they can overlay it in a lot of other things. So they stop doing the simple thing. And when they stop doing the simple thing, they don't get to the end result. So for me, if I would not have done the simple thing, which was learn how to do drills to swim so I could actually learn how to really swim, I would have never been able to be competitive. I would have never been able to do 2.4 miles. (laughs) I remember my first Ironman. I didn't know if I could make 2.4 miles. I really didn't. And there was these great big, huge orange buoys. And I remember clearly thinking, okay. All I have to do is make it to the next buoy. All I have to do is make it to the next buoy. And I did that all the way around the course. Um, So there's a a lot of that journey that has taken me down the dog training world too, especially when you're trying to help somebody who has a reactive dog or a dog that's just not coming around the way that they thought they should. Um, As well as me being the person, which is where it came out with me doing the support, weekly support. I want to get you to the finish line. I do not want to tell you a few things and then make it your fault that you didn't get there. Yeah. People do need support. I had support. I went and got that support, but I also 
showed up for that support. Yeah. Well, good for you for paying it forward. And congrats. That's a hell of a journey. My God, I don't even think you could swim a hundred yards and I can't even swim. I, I can do a little doggy paddle and that's it. I told Scott, I'm like, maybe I should do swimming <clears throat> lessons this year. Is that, a, is that a challenge? <laughs> I'm going to send you a video of him swimming. Am I missing anything else um, important here with JT? It's all important. I know. Every last bit of it. I, I don't want to get too protocol-y. No, no. I think it's been good to talk to you and uh I'm glad you're doing well out there. I, and did the Ironman thing, was that one of the motivators that got you to move to Hawaii? Because you, you, you did it Ironman in Hawaii, I think, right? And then you, you started getting all into that island life and you packed up and moved out there. And, <laughs> you know, and that was a, quite an adventure. That's another whole podcast, what happened. <laughs> it's another there, entire know. podcast because yeah. that was all about <laughs> a narcissistic relationship that got me to sell my house and move to Hawaii. Yeah. Um, and it worked because it was a place that I knew and I had connection with, but it was also a place that took me out of all of my, my dog training business, all of my friends, all of that kind of stuff. It is an entire podcast <laughs> for sure. And that is how I ended up going to Hawaii. Again, it was a journey though. And I wouldn't, now I get it. I get why all of that happened and it taught me a lot of stuff. So again, you got to stay with it, right? Yeah. Stuff blows up. You got to go back to the basics. Yeah. Yeah. The Build difficult relationships are just like the difficult dogs. We grow through them and we learn through them. And I'm glad you're back home. Welcome home. Even though California is a tricky place to live sometime, we got to get you out to Maine. We love it out here. You got to come and visit us out in Maine. Yeah. I would love to come out to Maine and I'm actually looking to uh, move to, you know, Maine. my, I was born and raised in Montana. So I'm looking at Montana. I don't oh, nice. some different well, good. places because California listeners, Montana listeners, you guys got a lot of options. Yeah, to I'll, meet check up with out, JT. I'll check out the Ironmans out here. I'll let you know what the schedules are. <laughs> Except for, I don't want to sign up for another Ironman. <laughs> we'll just let Scott sign up and see how far he gets. His ticker is yeah. pretty strong. Thank I'll you so much. Coach you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Your weekly support. Thank you so much for your time. Again, if you guys are currently in the San Diego area, please look up K9 Coach. That's letter K, numeral nine coach. And the description will be in the, um, or the URL will be in the description. And it's K9 Coaching, right? For the URL. It's K9 Coaching. Yeah. Okay. There's everybody Great. decided that now all of a sudden they're going to be K9 Coach too. Yeah. So <laughs> switch her uh, up. I did. <laughs> I know. So it's K9 Coaching. Dot com. All right. Uh, perfect. Well, JT is doing good. great stuff for dogs. And if you guys are in need of dog training, I, I encourage you to check out her social media and maybe use her in person. If you're in the San Diego area, go ahead. Yeah. That's the other thing. Um, so my Instagram, which is kind of becoming my thing <laughs> is actually not canine coach. It's at the JT Clough. So, <laughs> and it's the spelling that's oh, right underneath her picture. If you guys and, need it. And, uh, like HR puffin stuff. <laughs> For Clough. Oh my God. By that childhood. I, I, like, I like rough and tough better than that. Don't, don't know. even Pe- listen People these days don't even know about HR puppet ah! stuff. Oh my God. <laughs> Most people don't know about anything you talk about. All, All right. right. Thank you again, JT, so much. We appreciate having you on. It's great to finally meet you virtually, and we hope to see you out here someday. Thanks, JT. Yes, for sure. All right. Thank you so much. Keep Talk it quirky. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.